Welcome to FraserCast, a place where we discuss how our community can create a more inclusive and equitable world for people of all abilities. That community includes individuals who have varying physical, emotional, and diverse needs, and Fraser is here to help. Today, we welcome back Robert Smythe to dive deeper into some of the real and perceived issues facing individuals with autism. For those who may have missed his first episode on FraserCast, I encourage you to take a listen. It is well worth your time. Robert has had and continues to have a thriving career in theater arts, and he has also added his own podcast to his illustrious resume. And that is where we will start our conversation. But first, welcome back, Robert. Well, thank you, David. It's good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you back. I'm, I'm, and um, <laughs> well, I am honored. <laughs> the, the honor is ours, the privilege is ours. So let's begin our conversation with talking about your new podcast. Sure. Um, any specific questions or should I just let it rip? Let it rip. Uh, I'll let it rip. So uh, I, with a good friend of mine named Rafael Manteso, um, we met uh, we met online about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. He is a accomplished um, cartoonist in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And he has about, I think right now he has like three quarters of a million followers on Instagram. And his story is very interesting because when he was 30, three things happened. His restaurant went bankrupt. His wife left him literally taking everything out of the house and leaving nothing but their dog. And he discovered he was autistic. So it was kind of a big year for him. Um, <clears throat> he, he and his dog, Jimmy, are now uh, famous because uh, left alone in the house with his dog, he just started drawing things on the walls and posing his dog in these cartoons and they really took off on Instagram. He has many books out now and he's, he's known all over the place. And about, like I said, a year and a half ago, he was thinking about doing a documentary about autism and asked people to write to him about their experiences to possibly be interviewed. And we spent, we were, he had 12 questions for me. We were supposed to spend an hour on them. After two and a half hours, we'd gotten past the first question. Wow. <laughs> because <laughs> what we discovered was, for the first time in our lives, I was uh, at that point 59. Yes, I was 59 and he was 37. And it was the first time in our lives that we'd met another autistic adult who thought the way that we did. Wow. It was astonishing. It was amazing. It was, it all of a sudden hit home for me that as much as you could be autistic and think that you're coping and think you're doing well. It's not until you actually meet somebody whose mind is wired the same way that yours is that all of a sudden you go, oh, so this is what it's like to actually be me and not be um, trying to fit in. So um, during the pandemic, he had some ideas. I mean, the great thing about Raphael is he's got tons of ideas. So we, <laughs> we were having a conversation in the middle of it. He said, you know, we should do a podcast. The next thing I know, we've got four episodes in the can um, available. The podcast is called A-Team um, because that's how I refer to everybody on my team, the A-Team. Um, and uh, it, it can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. So just as you're listening to Frasercast on a whole bunch of different where you might be on Spotify or whatever, you can find us. So where these casts, the Fraser casts, are generally maybe 20 to 30 minutes, our discussions are on a, general, on a single topic usually, and they're about two hours long. Wow. <laughs> and they're funny as heck, I have to say. Um, and uh, I have to say, he and I both listen to them um, after we do them. And I have to say, you know, we have these conversations, and I listen back to them. It's like, wow, I learned a lot from listening to myself <laughs> and from him. Um, but it's basically the way we look at it is here are two autistic artists who are just having a good time talking about living with autism. Um, so we have had, we've had, uh, topics that range from identity to diagnosis to relationships. Um, and one, uh, next week, uh, will be, uh, so what was today's Friday? We, yesterday we did our one on, um, and now I forgot on, on, on identity. And then next week we'll be talking about hyper focus or hyper focus, the hyper focus of, um, autism. So well worth the listen. I'm sorry. You have guests on your show, Robert, or is it? We uh, well, we're only four uh, episodes in, but uh, our our sixth episode, I think it will be our sixth. We have a good friend, uh, a woman who is a psychologist in New Zealand, and runs a um, group for autistic adults, uh, where oh wow, 
I mean, there, here are guys who have been, they're all men. They've all been like me diagnosed really late in life. And they're very, it, it really affected them deeply um, to the point where maybe some of them are even suicidal. Um, and uh, Raphael had recorded that first interview we did, you know, a year and a half ago and sent it to her. And what the reason the podcast came about and the reason in some ways my advocacy hat has come about is she wrote to me to say, you have no idea how useful and important it was for this group of men to hear two other autistic men having a good time, having a great conversation with each other. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, there is this other life that is, that is, oh. is within your grasp. If we learn to understand um, fully what makes us different from everybody else and understand what the struggle of trying to adapt to a neurotypical world that was not designed for us is like. And when you, when you can kind of start to figure that out and you have access to people in your, you know, people like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and like I said, it wasn't until this conversation with Raphael where I realized like, oh, so this is what it's like to be neurotypical. <laughs> you, yeah, you, yeah. You're surrounded by people who can finish your sentences because they think like you do, you know? So in a way, our, our podcast is almost, we're, we're almost interrupting each other all the time because, of course, that's what you do when you're autistic because right. I've got something important to say right now. Um, but what, what really is terrific, and, and I hope people do give it a listen, is um, I think it is important to understand that what people think about autism, unless you're autistic, what you think about autism is probably wrong. I'm just going to come right out and say that. Sorry to be pejorative, but... Uh, <laughs> the questions I get from people who work in the field. And I'm like, wow, why would you think that? <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. But before we do, uh, this idea of having a conversation with someone like yourself, how freeing that was for you. In, in effect, by creating this podcast from this story you just told, you provided that conversation for others also. Right. Yes, of course, it's a conversation they can't take part in. Of course, of course. But, but, uh, but I think it's important for people to even hear, from what I'm understanding, I mean, it's really terrific. We're already being heard or listened to, I think the latest statistics were, we're being listened to in 80 countries. Wow. <laughs> and we haven't even started to promote it. Um, but what the, the feedback that we're getting for people is, oh, this is really useful. Like, like our friend Marie said in New Zealand, if you've never heard two autistic people talking, um, then you and you are autistic yourself, you may not have any idea of just how much fun it is and what it's like to just be totally free. Um, so and and yeah, it's just great. So if, if you can listen in, please do. Yeah, fantastic. I can't wait to give it a listen. Thank you for that. Let's talk a little bit about a story you told last time, which is how you came to recognize or realize that you were autistic, what inspired you to go and seek a diagnosis, if you will. But more importantly, to, to add on to that, maybe not more importantly, but to add on to that, what were other people's reactions in your life, people in your life? How did they react to it? And did you worry about how they might react to um, your diagnosis? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um... So what I've learned is that the term uh, we, we I, I think a lot of us do it, is, you know, so in the gay community, you come out. In the, in the autistic community, you disclose, which is not un, un, uncommon for a lot of, of uh, people with disabilities. You disclose your disability. Um, I refuse to believe that I have a disability, yet I use the term disclose. Um, for me, getting the diagnosis... So we call it a diagnosis, which makes it sound like, oh, now I have a diagnosis and I can take a pill for it. So it wasn't really so much diagnosis that I was looking for as much as validation. Um, I needed to know when I was 50 that the troubles that I was having in my life were, had a reason and that it wasn't because I was a jerk. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> when, 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 when you are um, autistic, uh, I would have been classified as Asperger's, but the, the designation had just changed. So now I'm autistic. Um, 
but when you are, you know, high functioning and every, and you, and, and we'll talk about this maybe later, but when you're high functioning and everybody feels like, wow, you're doing great. And in your head, you're going, I'm not doing great. I am barely holding it. Not, it's not like I'm not holding it together. It's just, I'm so confused. I am trying so hard to be understood, to get along with people, to do the things that I'm supposed to do. And it, it, and I, it just, I don't understand why, uh, why it's so hard. Um, mm -hmm. I look around, everybody else does not seem to have this problem. And, you know, it can be something as simple as, so I'm a theater guy. I go to see shows a lot. And I'll be sitting in the audience and all of a sudden the entire audience will burst out in laughter. And I'll be like, what did I just miss? What just happened? I don't know. How, how could I be... What happened? I mean, it's just really, yeah. literally, I have no idea, right? So that's a common thing, jokes that miss and stuff like that. But then there may be other things like um, you, asked my, you asked my opinion and I gave it to you and now you're upset. I don't understand why. <laughs> um, I just don't right. understand, right? Uh, that's a kind of common thing too. But enough of that stuff had kind of um, uh, uh, piled up. Um, I also was in a way insulated from certain things because I ran my own theater company for a while. So I was the boss. Nobody's going to wow. argue with the boss. Right. Also, I was in an artistic endeavor where, as Raphael said yesterday, when we were talking about identity, um, when you're an artist, your identity is, you know, you're already thought to be arrogant or you're already yeah. thought to be moody or whatever. Right. So sure. it could mask a lot of, of, <laughs> of yeah. artistic traits. Um, but then, then when that ended, and I went right from uh, uh, running my own company to graduate school and then teaching at the university level. And then that's when I was also hitting up against some walls because it was like, you know, this is the way I'd say to students, it's in the syllabus. You know, I was very rigid. You know, you should see my rate, my professor um, uh, ratings. You know, I'm very rigid, right? I'm very good, but I'm very rigid. Um, yeah. But it was, again, kind of things of like, I'm not understanding why there are just, there are just so many pieces of friction in my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't see other people having them. And I feel like I'm doing exactly the same thing that everybody else does because I'm very good at copying other people. That's what makes me a really good actor. It's what makes me a very good puppeteer. I, I'm really good at faking human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, and, and then, and then when I was 50, I was just really tired of it. So I happened, you referred to what had happened before I yeah. heard an interview on the radio of a guy who'd been diagnosed late in life and where all of a sudden everything, all the problems he was having in his, in his work life, in his family life, in his, in his relationship with his wife just made perfect sense. And I, and, and they were going through, he was talking about some of his symptoms and things, or I should say traits. They're not symptoms, they're traits. Right. Um, and I was like, Oh, that sounds more and more like me. Um, and so then I happened to go to, uh, um, uh, a, a clinic, well, it's a clinic or a lab or whatever, but at the University of Pennsylvania, where they have the so-called adult social disorder um, lab, it's now changed name. I think they actually have uh, autism in the name of it now. Um, and, you know, got an appointment and then went through a lengthy process of interviews with me, interviews with family members, interviews with all kinds of things, tests, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, lo and behold, I was... Um, Autistic, not instantly autistic. It was more like, no, you've always been autistic, yeah. <laughs> but now we have a name. And the important thing about that. So getting back to your question, believe it or not, okay. I do remember it is, um, you know, how was that? How was it disclosing? Well, the only person, the people who mattered at that point were my wife and my kids right. and especially my wife. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, at the beginning, it was like, oh, okay, now we know it's autism. So now we're done. You know, so now when there's a problem, we go, okay, so it's autism, fix it. <laughs> so there was a little yeah. bit of a feeling of like, okay, well, so now you know it's autism. So now just stop doing autism. <laughs> <laughs> you know right. it's like in the same way my doctor the other day told me i need to lose eight pounds right so it's like okay the solution to that is stop eating um so obviously the solution okay. to autism is stop autisming um right. and uh, it doesn't quite work that way so yeah. there was a lot of frustration for a long time now at the same time there were some really wonderful things that happened i think i mentioned this before but you know when i get frustrated or angry about something to finally be able to go like Oh, 
we now know that there's a system. What is it? Oh, when there's a system that's been broken, when there's a promise in the environment that has been broken, it can be anything from somebody using a word improperly or somebody saying, yes, I'm going to do this on Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have it ready for you. Well, no, you know, it's like the exactitude that my form of autism requires um, could be really detrimental to my relationships with other people. Being able to understand in the moment why I was getting frustrated didn't necessarily mean that I wouldn't be frustrated, but it was a way of handling it and then also realizing, oh, this isn't aimed at you. And that yeah. was a big thing for my wife and me, right? Because it, 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 at first, you know, for a long time, it was like, oh, why are you angry at me? And I'd be like, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the situation, you know. And yeah. um, so now we have a way of talking about it. But truly, sure. it's only been like even a month ago, it, this is an ongoing thing. About a month ago, my wife and I had a really, really, really heartfelt conversation where we'd had an argument. And in the in the makeup part afterwards, mm -hmm. where, you know, it used to be for we've been married for 37 years. And for a good oh. part of that, we'd get in an argument. And I always felt like I had to apologize for whatever mistakes I'd made that I didn't understand. But I knew that I had to apologize because that's how apparently life works. And I'd be like, yeah. I am trying so hard and I don't understand why I'm getting it wrong, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and we got into a really good conversation discussion where Sue said, you know, I'm sorry, because I realize I have been really, really angry at you for a really, really long time. Huh. Because and now I'm realizing that it's not that you can't help it. You know, it's not it's not, you know, but she said, I've realized that all along I've been thinking like these there are choices that you could be making wow. and you're just not making them. Wow. And and it finally something happened where it was like, I realized that my anger is my own and yeah. that you are, you know, you are who you are. And that came about because for some reason in the past few years, I've decided I'm tired of pretending and I'm tired of what's called masking or camouflaging, mm -hmm. going along to get along. And now, you know, it's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm going to call you on that because I'm yeah. tired of going, oh, yeah, I must be wrong. Um, and that, you know, that comes with age. I, I doubt anyone who's younger than 60. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like I've got, I feel like, you know what? I've been around. I'm willing to just kind of like take that hit right now because I'm tired of living that way. And uh, it's, it's, you know, I feel like I'm looking at the last third of my life and it's like, mm, I don't want to, I don't want to go that way. So I hope that answers the question. It does. And thank you for sharing those moments. Um, those are very uh, real and important for people to hear. Uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, Robert, this self-awareness discovery helps you by looking back to the past tense. Oh, that is why this. And even in the present tense, if you can be present, we all struggle to be present. How about future tense? Will you? Does it help you now that you know this about yourself? You can maybe anticipate this event may make me feel this way or that way. You see what I'm trying to ask? <laughs> I, I do. Okay. And, and, and I, I, and, I hope it's a fair question. Oh, no, no. It's great. It's great. Um, uh, I, I got too close to my mic. I, I hope I wasn't too loud. Um, no, it's a great question because it actually brings me to a thing, a theory I'm working on about autistic traits, which is that you talked about the past. I never think about the past. I know a lot of uh, the autistic people I know, we don't think about the past. And we're not that interested in the future. The only moment that exists is the present. You just said, well, we all struggle to be present in the moment. <laughs> it's like... Ah. I think this is one of the biggest differences, perhaps, between neurotypicals and the A-team, is that for the A-team, no moment exists except the present, which is why we get down those rabbit holes of, you know, five or six hours go by and you realize, oh, my God, I haven't eaten, I haven't peed, I haven't done anything. I've just been really focused, hyper-focused, right? And, I mean, like, if, if, if anybody knows anybody who's autistic or even those of us who are, we, you know how many times it's like, oh, I lost track of time. Because I don't, I'm, I'm actually starting to believe we don't understand time as far as this kind of continuum where there's a past and a present. It's just like, no, there's nothing but right now. And, like, right now... We're having this conversation. If if you saw my house, if you saw my office, I have I have I have timers all over the place. I have calendars. I have clocks. I I must be constantly reminded of the time. And I find that unless I actually say, "Remember, when the clock says twelve, you need to go do blank," I won't. I will just 
oh, that looks interesting. And the next thing you know, time is gone. So when you're talking about something like how do you apply what you know to the future, I have no way personally to answer that because I just have these vague ideas of the future. I know that at some point I'm going to be older. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I am a very good planner in the sense of like, okay, if I really work hard at it, I can look at a schedule and I can fill things in and I can say, I want this to happen by this particular day. So I need to do this work, et cetera, et cetera. But it is a struggle not to, to be constantly reminded that seconds and minutes are ticking by and that I have to, so, I, I mean, I've had so many time management things that I've tried where it's like this task um, must take 30 minutes. And so I set a timer for 30 minutes and the timer goes off and I keep on going. Um, you've heard of this. There's a new uh, technique out there. I think it's called pomado or something like that where you're supposed to you set a timer and every 25 minutes you get up and walk. You, you, you rest oh, for five right. minutes. OK. And then you come back to work and that's supposed to make you more productive. I cannot tell you how many times that timer's gone off. And I've been like, oh, yeah, 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 fine. Just no, because I'm I'm so interested in what's happening right now. Um, so that's not a very helpful answer to your question, but I think it might in some ways, at least as far as the way I'm looking at world, um, explain why that question, you know, it's like, I don't know. And this is like a big yeah. thing with my wife and me because she's very good about time. She, I, said, so I, I said, so you you like see time spreading out in front of you? And she goes, oh, absolutely. And I'm like, what? I don't, why? And she's like, oh yeah, I can see this. And if this doesn't happen by then, and I'm like, no, okay. Wow. Right. So I think if we hadn't found each other, or more, more importantly, yeah. if I hadn't found her, God, right. God knows where I'd be right now. I'd certainly be late for a lot of things. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, well, that was not the answer I expected, but <laughs> see, see, you don't, I hear... learned a lot. We're all learning a lot today. Well, see, but this is, this is, I think an advantage to, um, having conversations like this, right? Yeah. Because I just, I, I don't want anybody to feel bad. Right. But this is a thing where, look, there's, there's a very simple idea where, uh, uh, something re might reveal itself as like, oh, here's a difference between a neurotypical and a neuroatypical brain, mm -hmm. right? So it mm -hmm. seems perfectly normal to ask this question about past, future, et cetera. And I think if, uh, if I weren't aware of my diagnosis, et cetera, et cetera, I'd be struggling right now to go like, yeah, I think about the future, sure, um, and have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> But I try to make wow. it sound good. And then later on, I feel like, what's wrong with me that I don't understand? Because you seem to be so comfortable talking about the future. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, right? So uh, um, so I think it's important to have, to, to have these kinds of things and then go, oh, isn't that an interesting difference, right? Yeah, so, yeah. that's yeah. right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the permission to not understand. And I mean that. I mean that. Sure, sure, sure. Here. You are absolved from everything from here on in. Robert, you mentioned the term high functioning before. Yes. And, uh, let's talk about that because it strikes me as something of a relative term. I mean, a lot of people, I could say I'm high functioning or Everyone. Let's put it a different way. I'm, I'm going to stop you there. You know why? I heard a really great interview, and I encourage anybody uh, who's following this and is interested. Um, there is a great show on National Public Radio carried by a lot of stations. It's called 1A. It used to be called yep. Studio 1A. Now it's just 1A. And they did a show this week. I can't remember what day it was. It might have been Monday or Tuesday, but um, it was this week. And it was about autism. And they had three panelists on who were all autistic. One of them, and of course, I only heard the last 15 minutes. Um, one of the panelists uh, is the author of the book called Neurotribes, which I, I think I mentioned before. And I really, really strongly recommend anybody with any contact, interest, uh, anything about autism should read this book because... It's, I say it's the history of autism, and what I really mean, it's the history of diagnosing autism. Autism has always been around, and, and, and the, the guy who wrote it just did a phenomenal job of pointing out that part of the reason we have so many fears and misconceptions about autism is because of a rivalry and a, and a, and a, and a whole kind of academic thing about a need to demonize autism for various reasons. And I'll leave it to people to read the book because partially because I can't remember quite what they are. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, life could have been so different for so many people. 
because there were two schools of thought about autism and the demon school one. Um, but anyway, they're all on the show and I forget exactly who brought up the point, but brought up the point of like, all right, we talk about high functioning, low functioning. They said, let's not go there because that focuses on expectations of what someone should be doing in a neurotypical world. And that's not fair. And what I'd said before, um, and there are different ideas about this. And actually in that interview, they brought it up, right? Which is, um, when we, when some, when we say someone is high functioning, we tend to forget their challenges, because, I mean, <laughs> I, I just had dinner last weekend with an old, old friend. She, her daughter is the same age as ours. The kids grew up together. We've known them for a long, long time. And I just happened to mention something and casually said, oh, you know, because of autism. And she looked at me and said, autism? And I said, oh, sure. Haven't I told you that I'm autistic? And she said, no, no, you can't be autistic. And I said, really? Why not? Because this is now my shtick and she goes because you don't you d and you could see her going through everything and 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 like she realized she couldn't say the things that she wanted to say but what she really wanted to say was you don't do all the autistic things and what was interesting there was even then she said well i mean what makes you autistic as if i had to prove it um because the focus office often is on deficits prove to me that you have a deficit and then I will believe you because otherwise, for some reason, you're saying this to be special or something. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't have a laminated card yeah. <laughs> that either says I'm part of the A team or here are my problems, right? Or here, and they're not problems, they're challenges because challenges can always be overcome. So that's for somebody who's high functioning, so called. And then we have people who are low functioning, right? And that's who I think my, my friend was thinking about, maybe the low functioning people. But again, that does a disservice to them because it, it so focuses on where they're deficient that we don't in any way remember or appreciate all the wonderful qualities, talents, assets, and everything else that they can do. Because, and what is it always aimed at? How do you measure up against a neurotypical peer? And if you're not meeting those marks, you're broken. This is one of the biggest things that affects us is the idea that we're broken and we're not broken. So on the A on the one A interview, one of the guests said, let's not talk about function. Let's talk about support needs. And let's actually talk about whether somebody has, you know, has more, has a greater need for support or a lesser need for support. Yeah. I'm somebody who has a lesser need for support. And there are people who might have other support needs. But what's great about that is that we focus on what people need to overcome their challenges rather than labeling them with some kind of deficiency. So if we all could change our thinking a little bit in the way that we do for the physically disabled, or people, I should say, no, we don't say that anymore. People who have disabilities, physical disabilities, we think about how can we support them? We can, we can do this or we can do that. And so for those of us who have other disabilities, we can perhaps say, well, I'm the, I'm the same person you asked before, you know, like what changed when my diagnosis came about. And there were people who are like, you're different now because you have a diagnosis. It's like, no, literally, I am the same person I was two seconds ago. And now you just have to adjust your thinking. Um, so what we want to maybe be moving towards is, okay, great. We're all great people. We're all individuals. All of us have different kinds of needs for support. We all do. You know, when you, when you break your leg, you have a need for support. Um, and the community... That support continuum applies, yeah. Exactly, right? And so, so this idea that, that somehow people who are neuroatypical are deficient, and I hate the term ableism, but it is working very much from a place of privilege of as long as everybody around me is the same, I know how to deal with the world. And as soon as somebody's different, I have to label them different. Yeah. And the truth is, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're having a great conversation. Are you thinking that I'm deficient? Is anybody listening right now thinking I'm deficient? Think so. I mean, I did cop to the time problem, but <laughs> other than that, and there are lots of people with autism who have, you know, support needs that vary. I have support needs and they vary, yeah. but that's not going to keep me from being a real person in the real world. Right. And, you know, and, 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 and the support that I need may not be something that needs to come from you. So you're off the hook.
you know? And I think that's the other thing people worry about is, is, oh, someone's got a lot of needs. How do I deal with it? Who asked you to deal with it? Did anybody ask you to deal with it? You're off the hook. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the people I know who are blind are like, you know, if one more person grabs my elbow and says, I'm going to help you, I'm just going to hit them, right? Because like, oh, you have a need. I have to solve it. No, you don't. Did I ask for your help? I didn't. Leave me alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't get to intrude in my life. You don't. I don't intrude in yours, you know? And people will say things maybe like, well, of course you don't intrude in mine. I don't need help. Good for you. <laughs> and I don't either until I ask for it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. You mentioned advocacy before and your podcast, The A-Team, and your presence here on FraserCast are forms of advocacy. But when you were telling the story about an old friend and the conversation that you had, that strikes me as a form of advocacy, a way of discussing this in the world, bringing it out. I'm struggling here to ask you about, I guess, the way oh, just let it fly, David. Let it fly. <laughs> the way, uh, how do you view advocacy? Let, let's, let me ask that. Well, there are different kinds of advocacy. There's self-advocacy and there's advocacy for others. Um, there are people who are allies. Um, and it's, you know, al we're maybe familiar with the term ally with, say, in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, various other things. And I, I read something the other day, which was like, you know, you can't call yourself an ally. Others should call you an ally because just saying, oh, I'm an ally. It's like, really? Has anybody actually seen you in action? <laughs> yeah. So live your life as an ally and wait to be recognized. But to advocate, what does that mean? Um, it means a lot of education. And so if you're a self-advocate, you might be educating people about your specific support needs. If you're an advocate for others, you are helping to educate people about the needs of others and help them become aware of things that they've never thought about before. One of the biggest things I think that happens with a so-called invisible disability like autism is people may think, well, I don't know anyone who's autistic, so why do I need to do anything? And here's the thing. You probably do. And you know two kinds of autistics, people who don't know yet that that's actually the term or diagnosis that might be applied to them, and people who do know and choose not to disclose because the, um, the stigma of being labeled autistic is so great yeah. that they believe that it will hold them back in whatever it is that they want to do. Because just like my friend who's known me for ne nearly 30 years looked at me differently because I'm autistic. Um, and seeing her struggle with applying what she thought she knew to the man in front of her was really hard. So advocacy for me then, what can I do? I don't have a national platform. Maybe A-Team turns into that. But, but, you know, I know that right now most of the people who are listening interested in 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 what two autistic guys have to say because they're autistic too i mean i can't imagine anybody else listening to two hours although they really are good conversations and you should listen i'm sure it sounds i'm sure it's entertaining and there are no commercials so that's good too but wow. but one of the biggest things that i think needs to happen for uh autism adv advocacy in general is that those of us with autism who have the power to speak should be speaking to be able to say whatever you've thought about autism perhaps is not the full picture because unless i was included in your idea of autism before you need to you need to change you need to understand that there are a lot of people with autism who have great lives who don't need a whole lot of support who are earning a living, they have kids, they have loving relationships, all that stuff about, oh, they have no emotion. Somebody told me a while ago that autistic people can't feel pain. <laughs> wow. Oh. And, did, and, that, and that was someone I had, that was someone I had not disclosed to. And so, so now, you know, I, I know that I'm edging into the, oh, really, you know, I'm autistic. And I can tell you, I have a lot of tattoos and I felt every one of them, you know, and just because it's the kind of thing that needs to be challenged. Now, my wife yeah. who works in, um, she works for Swarthmore College and she's in charge of um, 
uh, compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act for the college. So she's very aware of growing advocacy things and terms and where we're all going and, and all. And she has said to me that she's thinking that autism may be the last place that people feel like it's okay to discriminate and say things that are improper. She wow. says she hears people say often, oh yeah, you know her, she's probably on the spectrum. Or, you know, if someone, if someone is in any way odd, if someone is, um, if, if someone just, is, you know, it's, it's just a term, you know, people go, oh yeah, you know, it's her autism. She's got to find the file. You know, anything that seems kind of persnickety or detail oriented or whatever. And she said she hears it all the time because uh, she feels it is the one thing that's okay because by and large, nobody, everybody feels, or people may feel that they don't know anyone. There's obviously no one here who's autistic. So we can gang up and, and beat up on that particular uh, uh, group of people. So then I feel like it's really important um, to, uh, to let people know that I am autistic. Um, I, I'm pretty well known in the Philadelphia theater community. And last week, no, it wasn't last week. It was, was it yesterday? Yes. No. What day did the, our, the podcast, the Fraser cast uh, uh, episode drop? It was Wednesday, I think whatever. I think it was Wednesday. Um, but that, that was great. And I used that opportunity to publicly disclose on my Facebook page to about 1500 people who are, you know, my friends that I have autism. Wow. And, uh, cause I, and I've thought about this for a really, really long time. What will people think? Right. And my greatest fear has been <laughs> that people using what they know from Rain Man, we all know the movie Rain Man, of course. where uh, Dustin Hoffman counts the dropped box of toothpicks, right? The, 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 the autistic as savant. There's uh, some TV show on right now where there's a young kid who's autistic and he's a doctor and he can look at people and speaking monotonically, they actually use special effects like the kid can see people's bones underneath their skin. Whoa. And this is being presented like it's fact. Oh, so there's this kind of idea that like, oh, if you're autistic, you can do special things. And so what I've really been afraid of is that there are people who might say, oh, all that stuff he did in theater, all the whatever, you know, recognition, you guys, that was just autism. Yeah, <laughs> that has been my biggest fear. Wow. And and then, like I said before, I don't care anymore. I just it's like you know what I because people like me have to let people know. Yeah. Because when 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 I do it and other people do it, then maybe we make it a little bit safer for other people. Yeah. It, and if we can do that, then enough of us can come out and say. We've been telling you for a long time it's a spectrum and you keep insisting that that's a scale and that somebody's at this end of the scale at 99% and someone's at this end of the scale at 1%. And that's not how this works. There's a spectrum that's full of different challenges and different special abilities. I mean, it's like, I may not be able to count toothpicks, but one thing I can do is solve problems. And I don't mean like math problems. I mean, right. I can take a lot of very diffuse data in the air in a discussion, stuff like that. And I'll be usually the person who kind of goes, oh, here's an idea. And people are just like, oh, and it's usually thinking out of the box. And it's usually, and I, I believe it's probably because my thinking process is not weighted with emotion, thinking about what people will think of me and am I respecting someone else's contributions and blah, 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 blah. It's just simply like, no, I'm listening to all the facts. This is what we should do. Um, that, I, I consider that a superpower. It yeah. also annoys, yeah. it also annoys the hell out of people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because there are people who be like, I spent forever on this. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. This is what we should do moving forward. But what I was going to say is when enough people disclose so that the, 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 the population at large starts yeah. to understand that, oh, there are just like, let's say blindness. There are people who are legally blind, and then there are people who are profoundly blind. I mean, they cannot see anything, but people who are legally blind, you know, there are people who can distinguish between light and dark. We call mm -hmm. them all blind, but there is, they have different abilities. 
And it's, I think, maybe like that with autism. Or like, you know, I, I've worked a lot with the deaf community, and there are people who are profoundly deaf, and there are people who are deaf with a small d, and people who are deaf with a capital D, and all kinds of things. And we all recognize that as deafness. And we need to start bringing that kind of, of, of awareness to autism as well, that it's not one size fits all. There are similarities, perhaps, but the, the old saying goes, you meet one, when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. <laughs> yes, that's well said. You know, talking about, the, you know, theater, so maybe this won't be a fair question, but I, I take it that you, you're not successful despite your autism. I just have to say that, but sure, yeah, with your autism and you're in theater and most people aren't. Um, can you talk about from your experience or from maybe other people you know, or maybe you can just project onto the world the way people work together? And you sort of hinted at this right now how, as an adult, autism can affect you in the workplace, um, or how knowing about it, uh, I guess, is what I want to ask. Oh, um, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so let me split it into two things. One, I'll just say this. So uh, sometimes people are, are amazed that someone who's autistic can be in the theater because like, don't you have to use emotions in the theater? So like, okay, first of all, autistic people have emotions. So stop it. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the second thing is that there are a lot of autistic people who are trying to figure out how the neurotypical world works. We mimic, we ape, we we learn things so we can use scripts like oh that's what you say when this happens if you want to you know uh, figure out how to get along with other people you have a lot of stuff memorized and one of the things that i've done and a lot of the autistic actors i know do is we're very good at like we because we have to figure out what other people are doing so i for example am very good at body language and i can usually tell when someone's lying i because it's like oh their words are doing one thing saying one thing but their body body language never lies and that makes me a very good actor because my body language i can you know do that too um so that works great that's good for actors for mm -hmm. people who are not interested in acting um and don't because there are already too many of us and there's too much competition <laughs> <laughs> <Got it. laughs> and I need work. Um, uh, uh, but in the workplace and stuff like that. So what will, what, what could knowing that you're autistic mean for work? Well, for, for one thing, um, uh, uh, depending on, you know, depending on your challenges and depending on the support that you need or whatever, but sometimes it's useful to know things like I work really well. Uh, here's, here's another thing. I cannot multitask for the life of me. I cannot, I think of it as if you, if you've ever seen those videos where there's like a, here's the earth and now we're going to zoom in, yeah. you know, and we go past, you know, everything gets big and we start looking at things like molecules and atoms and stuff like that. And then it pulls back and it, and it pulls back and we reverse. And then we kind of go, we're up in space and then we're in the, the galaxies and the universe, you know, you, you know, yep. the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? Yep. When I get immersed in some project, I am that microscope that's going all the way down and looking at atoms. So when someone says, can you change course and all of a sudden work on this other thing? It's like, whoa, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still at the molecular level. And now you want me to like zoom over to some kind of macro level. Um, my wife is, can multitask like crazy. And, and this is another realization she made. It's like, oh, I always work with music in the background. And I realized for you, you never, I never have music on. And yeah. it used to, she was like, why don't you, you know? Um, and like when we're talking in the kitchen or something, I'll turn off the radio. She's like, well, leave it on. It's like, we're having a conversation. So knowing that that might be an area that is a challenge or support might be something like, oh, I need to work alone or, oh, I need to have big blocks of uninterrupted time that are broken up by lunch. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough for me to work an hour on this project and an hour on this project. I might need to work four hours on this project. So it might be better for me to work on a schedule where Monday, you know, where somebody else might going, oh, I'll work an hour a day. You might be better doing something like, I'm going to work all day Monday on this mm -hmm. so that I can pull away from it and then start on something else. Um, I think that's really, really useful because one of the things that can happen when you get frustrated, um, like you're changing, <laughs> I had a plan and I knew what I was doing and now you've come in and changed it. And now, you know, um, it can be really hard and it can seem then like you're arrogant. That's, I know I've been called arrogant before because like, look, I know how to do this. Get out of my way. How do you know how to do this? I just know. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, 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 you can be moody. You know, you can be um, uh, rude. And and I'm not being rude. You just ask me um, when you know when I could get this report done, and I said, well, if you keep interrupt, if you stop interrupting me, I could get it done today, because <laughs> that's truth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to go over very well. Oh, right. right? <laughs> so knowing, okay, and it's not enough for your employer, your boss, to know that you're autistic. That's not helpful because they'll go to the place of like, well, I don't see you stimming, you know, and you're not counting toothpicks. So how can you be autistic? You need instead to say, here's the kind of support that I need to be really clear, right? So we think less about deficits. We think more about support. The kind of support I need is I need, it's really helpful for me to have a lot of advanced notice that something's going to change, even if it doesn't. But let me know that something's coming, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. But that means, of course, you know, disclosing in the workplace. Um, if you actually have a diagnosis, if you actually have a medical diagnosis, you can take that to human relations. You can take that to the to the hiring office and you are protected because being you know, autism is a protected class. And so you actually have protections under the law. But if you don't have a diagnosis and you disclose, then you're not necessarily protected. And if uh -huh. you become problematic for the company, um, remember, under the law, places have to make reasonable accommodation. So if it's something like you're working in a cubicle when there's a lot of noise, if it's reasonable accommodation that they can find a quiet place for your office, even if it's in, you know, another place, another floor or something, that's mm -hmm. a reasonable accommodation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that you can ask for and you can discuss and talk about. Um, so that's another reason I think when we talk about, um, you know, why does somebody want to get a diagnosis? It's not just that you feel better about yourself. It's right. because you actually have protections under the law. Yeah. It, this is such an important point, it seems to me, um, because I imagine, and I can only imagine that for someone who's an adult and they might need less support, they might be worried about stigma. And it, it strikes me to take a, a certain amount of courage. And for me, it would take a tremendous amount of courage to be open about the support I would need. I, I, am I off base there? No. I, well, you know, I can only feel sorry for you because you're neurotypical. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <man. laughs> well, because, well, no, I'm going to explain it to you this way, David. Yeah. What I just heard and what you said was it would take a lot of courage for me to admit to somebody that I was broken, deficient, and needed help. And I can just tell you that when I got my diagnosis, it was, thank God, there's a reason and there's an explanation. Mm -hmm. And all of, the, all of the bad things that I have felt my entire life are now within my, it's within my grasp to fix. And that is a profound difference in thinking. Yeah, because you're you. What I just heard was you coming from it where you've had a life where everything's been great, <laughs> neurotypically, well, neurotypically speaking. Okay. Let's say in the, in this context, grant, grant me that, okay? Okay. Right. So if 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 I've got a job and I'm worried about losing it, and I am have the ability to speak to my employer and just say, "This is what I know. I do really good work," and let me tell you. I know <laughs> someone I worked with a while ago said this to me, you know, working with you, I've discovered this. If you want, if somebody wants something done well and done on time and done perfectly, hire an autistic. <laughs> I was like, yes, because <laughs> we won't rest till it's done. Um, so if you, if, if, if you could talk to an employer, your boss and say, I work really well like this. I work really well late at night. Can we work on that? I work really well when the lights are off, I, you know, bright light, whatever. The, the fluorescent humming, I can't deal with it. Yeah. The choice the employer has then is to say, well, you're a really good employee, but, you know, you yeah. don't fit in because you need this. No one is going to say that because, right. believe me, the, uh, the autistic workforce is phenomenal. That's why we're called the A-team um, because there's very little that takes us off task and we will be meticulous in not just finishing the job, but also kind of saying things like, oh, and while I was working on this, I noticed this, this, and this, and we could fix it that way. I mean, we're, it's, it's not about detail, it's about systems. What I've come to believe is that the way our brain's wired, 
things, logical systems just kind of fit neatly in our brain. You know, they just like, like snap into place like Lego. So when something doesn't fit, we go, I can see that doesn't fit. And I always feel like, you know, neurotypical people, your emotions and logic are so intertwined and enwrapped that you find a way to explain why it doesn't fit. <laughs> and, and that doesn't work for us. So that's a, I think a, that is a great asset. It's a superpower uh, yeah. for an employer and, and therefore worth disclosing because it makes you even more of a, of a, of a great worker. Great answer. Uh, thank you. And um, you've been very uh, patient in, uh, with my knuckleheaded questions. I have another one. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. I, 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 I thought I had absolved you before, but apparently it didn't oh, okay. take. Yeah. No, no. I, so it's, it's, we'll see. I, I, I just want everybody, I, I'm only speaking for myself again, but we cannot apologize for ignorance. Yeah, right. Okay. That's why we're, Ign that's ignorance, why we're ignorance has a cure. Stupidity does not. Okay. And it is not a sin to admit ignorance. And that's the first step. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, then let's talk about other people, neurotypical, other people, whatever we're, we're talking about here. If say there people are listening and they may have someone in their life that they love dearly, that they think may need some support. What do you say to those people? Uh, first of all, is it any of your business? I'm just going to come right out and say that, right? Because first of all, is it, is, are you in a position to, um, actually take that responsibility for someone? And the reason I say that is I go back to that thing of, it's very easy for people now to go like, oh, you have a problem. I've decided you have a problem and I've decided it's autism. So maybe you're autistic. I think it's better, perhaps, if you have a concern, don't think of it as a label and don't think of it as the deficit. Start thinking about what supports people need. I've noticed that when we're talking, you seem to have trouble following what I'm saying. Is there anything I can do to make that better? Just to get maybe the other person thinking, maybe they haven't thought about it before. Maybe they've, I mean, for the most part, <laughs> autistic people in the world of the neurotypicals are rarely given choice. So if somebody actually said, I've noticed something, then that person might say, well, maybe we could turn off the radio or um, maybe you could give me more time to respond or let me think about that because I've never had a choice before. I've always been so busy trying to do that rather than rushing to the you must be autistic and do that. Who cares if they're autistic? I mean, let's look at it anyway. If you and I are having a conversation and you came to me and said, um, or I said, I noticed we're having difficulty conversing. Is there anything I can do to make that easier? And you said, you know, it'd be really, it's the light's bright. Or I hate that humming fluorescent uh, noise. Maybe we could move to another room. We'd all be better off and there wouldn't be a label involved. So wouldn't it be better or more kind or whatever to, to notice things about people and offer support, not help. Help is taking the elbow of the blind person and forcing them across the street. Support is asking, uh, what I do with, with people, I say, I'm crossing the street right now. Is there anything I could help you with? I did say help, but giving mm -hmm. people a choice. Right. Uh, especially, you know, <laughs> there. if anybody's interested and anybody's on Reddit, reddit.com, there is a very interesting thread with about 10 thousand members on it um, called autism translated and most of the people on it seem to be young adults who are scared to death about autism not because they're afraid that they have it in a way they're afraid they don't and they're they're talking about the real problems they're having in their lives and i read these things and what i see again and again is like they're asking for support and nobody's giving it because nobody knows how so if we can give support, let's do that. So if, there, if you're concerned about someone in your life, I want you to really stop and go, what's my real problem here? <laughs> and like in my relationship with my wife, what it came down to was like, oh, the problem is I don't think like you do. And the solution has been for a long time, apparently, that I need to start thinking like you. How about if we meet in the middle? How about, how about, because I'm, you know, I, I make this joke about people with autism. We're like Ginger Rogers. We do everything everyone else does. We, Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in heels. 
Right. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're doing everything that you guys are doing, <laughs> but we're working harder to do it. That's so, well said. <laughs> right. So if you, so if, if you're concerned about somebody, really, really stop, even before you have the conversation and say, what are the things that are bugging me? How much am I responsible for? And where can I meet in the middle? And where can I offer support? Because chances are the stuff that's bugging you is the person that you're concerned about isn't thinking like you are. They're not reaching the same conclusion. Based using the same information, they're coming to a different conclusion. And you just need to ask yourself, why is that a problem? <laughs> is it because they don't agree with you? Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but please don't throw around a kind of, oh, you must, because I'm just telling you, until, unless you're autistic, you have no idea what being autistic is. So please don't throw that at somebody. It's just, it's just not right. Yeah. That's a great message for all of us about many uh, things. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's well said. Uh, Robert, I can't believe we've been talking for as long as we have already. Speaking about being in the moment, it feels like one minute. It's been considerably longer than that. Welcome uh, to my it, life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a well, it's been really fun. Um, I want to end with just an open-ended question, which is about a message to uh, uh, people who are listening who may need support. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Um, I'll just, I'll just throw it out and then leave it like that. Although our entire conversation has been a message to these people and a very positive one and very helpful one. So thank you. Thank you, Robert, uh, once again for your time. But um, on that note, um, any, uh, any message to those listening? Okay, any message for people who are listening? Well, I'm not quite sure who's listening. But I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning that we've got uh, people who are interested in the subject of autism personally. Why else, would you, why else would you be here? That's so right. you're, either, you're either a family member or you love someone who has or possibly has autism or you do have autism. And I hope you keep listening to FraserCast because there's a lot of really good information. And also realize that because even now there is so little that we know about the support needs for people with autism, there may be things on this podcast that you don't need. And that's okay. That's, you know, I think sometimes can be like, oh, you know, well, they're talking about this and I don't need that. I'm, I, I, that's not something I need. Right. I know. <laughs> so what, what I'd suggest to people is, you know, yourself better than anybody. And so try, I, you know, if you like to make lists or even in your head, but just, or even if there's someone that you really trust and can talk to without feeling like you're going to be judged for, for revealing private information, because it's private. This is you yeah. and no one else. But if you can think about what are the things that really bug me and what are the things that give me trouble in life, that if they were easier, not gone, just easier, I, like I said before, I can't predict the future. I don't know, you know, because sometimes people will say, well, yeah, if that were easier, why would that be good for you? I don't know. Life would be easier. <laughs> That's all. Is that too much to ask? Other people get easy lives. But what I'd say is think about what you would like to change because change is possible. One thing that can't change is the way your brain's wired. And isn't that great? Because everything that makes you the great person that you are is because of the wiring of your brain and how it's caused you to react to the world that surrounds you. So if the world around you isn't really appreciative of your great talents and superpowers, then they need to be made aware of the superpowers that you have. And sometimes we're trying so hard to fit in with everybody else that we forget about the things that make us who we are because we're trying to be like everybody else. So when there are things that bother you and when there are things that make life hard, try to find somebody, not because they're going to solve the problem, but just to help you with your thinking. So that like we were saying earlier in this podcast, you might be able to go to someone who's might be able to have a solution for you and say, this is what I need. And the 18 podcasts that we do about um, relationships, we talk very much about it's, it is each individual's responsibility to figure out what will make them happy. And then it is your responsibility to let other people know what you need to be happy. 
you, we cannot depend on other people to just make us happy. So figure out what will make you happy and then let people know. And if that happens to be an accommodation to autism or just simply <laughs> that you don't like uh, salt and pepper on your scrambled eggs, whatever, <laughs> but take responsibility and you're smart enough to be able to do that. There are people in your life who love you and want to listen, but we have to know what we're talking about. So just be specific. Okay. That's all I've got. That is a lot. That is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Robert Smythe. And you have been given a gift today. Of Robert. <laughs> and I mean that Robert, a, a true gift to our listeners, uh, to, all, to, to everyone here at Fraser cast. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. And anyone out there who's been listening, if you have questions about autism, anything, please go to fraser.org. That's F-R-A-S-E-R.org for more information. Thank you all for tuning in. Stay well, and we'll see you next time on Fraser Cast. <laughs>